What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Final Four is not on the schedule. He is Rod, I am Cameron, and we are back for another season of Michigan State basketball. Uh, and we're going to kick it off, Rod, with the... Um, the previews uh, for all the Big Ten teams today. Uh, but before we get into that, we'll go from uh, sort of the bottom, how kind of how you've uh, you foresee the the season playing out is in terms of how they rank from the bottom to the top as we go. Um, but before we get into that, um, some news on Ty Rogers. Uh, what yeah? What are you hearing there? Well, a couple of interesting things. So he. You know, he'd had an unofficial visit earlier in September, and then he took an official um, this past weekend, uh, I guess the second, um, for the Western Kentucky game. And by all accounts, it went extremely well. Um, That's everything I've heard from a few different places, that they feel really good about uh, the job that they did. And and this is a recruitment that, you know, longtime listeners will – well, no, I wasn't always very optimistic about Ty Rogers. There were a lot of reasons to think that that wasn't one that was going to go in a Michigan State direction, but things have changed. Um, you know, for a while, it seemed like Michigan was likely landing place for him. That doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Um, and it's hard to get a lot of specifics as to why. Mm. Um I don't think it has anything to do with the talent because Michigan just took a commitment from a kid named uh, Greg Glenn, I think, who does not appear to be a player at the same level as Ty Rogers. Now, I don't think Ty Rogers is a is a superstar, but he's a solid top 50-ish type kid. Um, and he had a great spring and summer in AAU following a great high school season where he won a state championship. So that all seems good. Michigan State by all accounts, you know, hit it out of the park, feel as good as they could about their chances here. But then a weird thing happened after the visit this week. Ty Rogers announced um, out of the blue to everybody else, I think in his world it had been known that it was coming maybe for a while, um, announced that he was leaving Grand Blank, where he played for three years, won a state championship last year. Uh Uh, to transfer to Chicago Thornton High School. Now, besides the obvious, why leave Grand Blank? Normally, when we see these kind of moves, it's somebody going to a prep school because they want to play a national schedule, they want to play on ESPN, et cetera, et cetera, right? That's usually the motivation. It's not usually leave your state for a neighboring state to play at another public high school. Uh-huh. That's usually not what's going on. Now, what's interesting here, one interesting element, Chicago Thornton is coached by Ty Streets. Ty Streets, who used to be a wide receiver for the University of Michigan, uh, is also the founder of the Mean Streets AAU basketball program, which Ty Streets has played for the last couple of years. Um, 
So that part makes sense. Like, okay, he's going to go somewhere. He's going to play for his AAU coach. You see the connection there. But the weird part is, why leave Grand Blank? And nobody's talking publicly. But the stuff that I have heard is that, and this is the interesting part, it's hard for me to make sense of this. And, and I want to stress before I say it, this is not in the realm of fact. Mm-hmm. These are things that I have heard. So take that with a grain of salt. But just looking at it on the surface, it has to be something strange going on to motivate all this, especially in October. You know, again, if you're going to do this and you announce it in August, okay, that's one thing. He announced it in October. Mm-hmm. The, the, the things I have heard is that Mike Thomas, who is the head coach at Grand Blank, and by the way, is one of the, the truly great coaches in Michigan high school basketball in recent memory. He's won, I believe he's won two state championships. He won it with Grand Blank, and previously he won one at Kalamazoo Central. Wow. Um, I think when he had Devin Oliver and those guys. Um, so this is a guy who's a really, really good coach. But supposedly, Ty Rogers' family was upset because Mike Thomas was butting into the recruitment and was trying to package himself along with Ty Rogers to get a job at whatever college Ty Rogers ended up at. Now, these are stories, and again, I want to stress, that's the discussion on the streets, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you that that's fact. Um, what's, What's weird about it to me is, you know, Ty Rogers is a really, really good player. I think he'd be an exceptionally great fit at Michigan state. He's the kind of player that is a loves to coach in terms of how he plays and the thing, the strengths in his game, the, the things that he gives you, he's just a winning player, but he's not a superstar. He's not likely to be a superstar. He's not likely to be a one and done. He might not ever be a big time scorer in college. And if he is, I would think it would be because he stuck around for a junior or senior season. Uh-huh. He's just, he's not that kind of player. So I don't, Mike Thomas has got to be smarter than that to think that the Ty Rogers recruitment is one that he's going to be able to parlay into a college job. That's the first thing. The second thing is, as I mentioned, Mike Thomas has got a pretty good resume. If he wants to move up into the college ranks, I don't know why he'd need this. Mm -hmm. The only thing that makes sense is maybe he's trying to skip some steps. He doesn't want to go into like a player, you know, director of basketball operations job. He wants to somehow get an, an assistance job immediately, and he thought this might help him. But it's a weird deal. Clearly, something strange happened to have a transfer announcement at this time of year. So make of that what you will. I don't think it necessarily means you know Illinois has been big in Ty Rogers' recruitment as well. I don't I don't really read this as an indicator in either direction. I think it's possible he ends up at Illinois. I don't think this tells us that. Um, just the fact that he transferred to Chicago. Um, you know, the, the guy, Tim Anderson, who was involved in the Mean Streets AAU program and was a figure involved in the Romeo Weems recruitment um, a few years ago, is now an assistant at Illinois. He's part of when they lost their assistants to Kentucky. He's one of the guys they hired. They hired him away from DePaul. Oh. Um that may end up being a link, but I don't think it. I don't think his transfer into Thornton says anything about that. So, that's really it. I don't expect a decision to come anytime soon. But the Rogers family has been very close to the vest in this. 
Um, if it came tomorrow, I guess I wouldn't be shocked, but I'm not anticipating it. I think it's going to go till spring. And that's fine if you're Michigan State. Mm-hmm. You let it go. If he doesn't opt to come to Michigan State, the portal's there. Yeah. You know? Um, but that's where that one sits. And then there's there's a couple of uh, 2023 recruits um, yeah. that made a visit the other day uh, during the football game. Uh, I think it was Nebraska, wasn't it? Uh, yep. Braylon Green and Jeremy Fears Jr. Yeah, the big, both big time guys, and and it's re I think it's really really encouraging to see these guys on campus as often as they have been. Both of them have made multiple visits now in the fall, and Izzo's gone out to see that. He was just in to see Jeremy Fears I think the day before yesterday, hmm. um, at his gym in high school. Uh, he's playing for uh, La Lumiere, so. It's a place is on those. Well, obviously Jaron Jackson played there and some other guys MSU has recruited over the years have played there as well. Uh, I think that um, this is an ideal backcourt. If you, if you look at perimeter guys in the 23 class, it's these two guys and Cam Christie, who is obviously the, um, the uh, younger brother of Max Christie, MSU freshman. Mm. Those are your three primary targets. Uh, Braylon Green played at Ypsilanti Lincoln for a couple of years. He's transferred to a prep school in Southern California where he is now teammates with current MSU commitment, Jackson Kohler. Um, the fact that he's come back from California twice since he started out there is a really good indicator. I wondered about that. Would that impact things? Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem to. And he says Michigan State is recruiting him harder than anybody. He and his family love the atmosphere around the program, all of it. And Jeremy Fears is now saying similar things. He's not a Michigan kid, but he is a Midwest kid. Um, I think he's, he played for Brad Beal Elite out of Missouri. I believe I saw the other day that he's going to play for um, uh, Indy, uh, Indy Space Heat uh, program out of Indiana, uh, Nike program out of Indiana. I believe that's – I saw that the other day. But regardless um, – He's a big timer. Mm-hmm. He's Braylon Green. He's a to point contract. guard, right? Fears. He is absolutely. He's you know Braylon Green is a an upper tier athlete, just an explosive kid who's got some ball handling skills, but primarily you're going to look to him as a scorer. He's just a vintage MSU style wing. You know, you can just envision him running the running the lanes on the break and you know using him for high feed lobs, all that. He's only maybe six three ish, but He's that kind of explosive player. Fears is is very much a point guard. And he can score too, but if you look at his clips out there, and they're out there, um, you see a very, very smooth player. Great decision maker. Not an upper, upper tier athlete, but a good athlete. Hmm. Uh, but, but his game is mostly predicated, I think, on his skill set as opposed to just being an overwhelming athlete. So, and they were, And they visited together. And apparently really clicked that again, those visits, just like Ty Rogers, from what I've heard could not have gone any better. So a little bit ahead of the game for, in terms of when you would expect to see decisions made, but I think it's really, really encouraging in terms of the start they've got in the 23 class and those two guys. And then Cam Christie as well would be just an unbelievable perimeter group mm-hmm. to bring in. Okay, well, um, any other Michigan State news before we get into 
uh, Minnesota. Uh, you know, uh, I guess I guess the only other thing to mention was you know they had the weekend that those guys were visiting. Um, they had a uh, which I guess was last weekend as we're recording this. Um, they had their uh, their open public practice, which is substituting for Midnight Madness this year. And the story, the big big story to come out of that was Tyson Walker was fantastic. Mm. Every account that he killed it, and I've seen some clips where he did things that I didn't see at all last year from anybody, like three quarter passes in transition to three quarter court passes in transition diagonally to as he hit Max Christie for one of those on a layup. Um, just some great stuff. It was was lethal in pick and roll, um, and and was scoring too. So. If, you know, there have been some word we haven't talked about because we haven't done a lot of episodes, but there have been some word filtering out that, oh, A.J. Hogarth's going to be the starter and Walker isn't impressing as much as they thought, blah, blah, blah. Well, I think this put the lie to all of that stuff. I, from what I'm hearing, I, I guess I won't be surprised if A.J. Hogarth um, plays a lot early on. I'm going to need to see it to believe it in terms of the improvement, but um what clearly is is the case is that any thought about Tyson Walker not being a guy who's going to make a big impact is probably wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like he is exactly what they thought they were getting, which we'll get to Michigan State as we do our previews. Um, that, in my opinion, is a necessity to this team being improved. Mm-hmm. They need, and, and if Tyson Walker is what I think he can be, um, Michigan State could be very much improved because he will elevate everybody else, but it's early. It all remains to be seen. We'll, we'll talk about it in a few episodes from now. Uh, so just an overview of the big 10 from last year, clearly a, a very disappointing postseason for the big 10 yeah. after finishing first in efficiency out of all the conferences by a fairly significant margin. Uh, they really just crapped the bed last year, Rod. It was bad. Yeah, you know, I, I would say two things. That one is in a single elimination tournament, this, the, there's always the risk that this happens, and it seems to me more often than not when a conference, you know, we don't have this every year, but some years you have a conference just get insane amounts of hype. I always go back to what year was it? Oh nine, um, with the Big East, right? The year that Michigan State took out Louisville in the in the regional final. Mm-hmm. That was a year where, if I remember correctly, I, th- I think the Big East had three of the four one seeds, if I remember correctly. It was crazy. You know, it was all oh, the best conference ever, blah, blah, blah. And then they, you know, they didn't get, uh, they, well, they did get one team. They got Bill and Over to the final four, but they had a disappointing run overall as a conference. And then see, anecdotally, I haven't looked into it, but it seems to me, uh, more often than not, when you have a conference hype the way the Big Ten was last year, is so clearly the best conference in America. The NCAA tournament performance tends to underwhelm a little bit. I, I don't know why that is, but other than the fact that it's reflective of the nature of the sport, which is in a single elimination tournament, um, you can be the best league and still not have a great performance because you just have teams. You, know, you look at the way it went, um, really the only team that that kind of held held it up for the league was 
unfortunately, was Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Illinois going out early was second round to Loyola. Um, you know, Iowa was a failure, which wasn't a surprise to me. Um, Ohio Purdue, State, North Texas. Him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just it just is how it goes. And and then the other thing, of course, is last year overall in every respect was such a weird year with COVID that you know who knows what kind of impact that had. But but I still think you look around this conference and. I think this is still a really good league. Um, you know, a, a lot of the, and the reason I feel that way is while, while there are some teams that I think look set to take a step backward, um, most notably Iowa and Wisconsin, I think are, are clearly in reverse this year. But there's a lot of teams that look like they're going to be better. I think Indiana should be better. Um, I think Michigan State has a real chance to be better. Um, I think at the lower end, programs like Nebraska and um, and Northwestern look to me to be better, maybe significantly better. Not a lot of programs look worse, and so there's a few, but not a lot. And and I think uh, that's going to make for another very interesting season. I, I don't know if the league's going to get the hype that it received last year. Uh, probably depends a lot upon how November goes that's usually what determines it, how you do in these, these special events and, and holiday tournaments and all that stuff. Um, you know, but I still think it's going to be a really good league. And there are a number of teams that have legitimate reason to feel optimistic about where they're going. And part of that is because there were some decisions that were maybe a little bit surprising in terms of guys returning. You know, I don't think anybody had Kofi Coburn coming back to Illinois. And at other points, it looked like they might lose some more guys to transfers because of losing their assistant coaches. There were rampant rumors about Andre Corbello, their point guard, mm-hmm. and he, he stayed. Michigan gets Eli Brooks back. That's quietly, that's a big addition yeah. for them. You know, that you didn't necessarily know was going to happen. Um, Ohio State did lose Dwayne Washington, but they get E.J. Liddell back. That's very big. You know, um, Trace Jackson Davis stays at Indiana. And that was through a coaching change as well. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, once again, I, there are a lot of really, really good post players. It's going to be a big man's league in a lot of ways. And I think there's going to be a lot of good teams and it should be a competitive season. And for the first time in a couple of years, we've had several coaching changes this year. Yep. Um, and, the, the one Great. Richard Patino, who you'd been calling out as somebody who's yeah. maybe on the hot yeah. seat for a while, finally, finally found his finally day. Finally happened. And then, of course, now he, he bounced back. He landed the job at New Mexico, which is. That's a pretty good gig know, coming off that. I, I was going to say, it's quiet. I just got back from there. And, um, yeah, that's quietly, that's a, that's a really good job. I mean, it, it, guys have recently have not done so well, but there are certain, you know, Steve Alford had a help. Not not very long ago. Um, and there have been other guys who have done a really good job. That that atmosphere, their home court, is a very difficult place to try to win at as a visiting program. Mm. So, yeah, that was a pretty good bounce back from Richard Pitino. But you're right, Minnesota finally fires him. And there were a lot of interesting names around that job, guys who were kind of up-and-comers that happened to have either connections to Minnesota or to the to the program itself, or to the state, and they passed on all of them and elected to hire Ben Johnson, 
who was most recently an assistant at Xavier, but uh, prior to that had been a player at Minnesota and had also been an assistant under Patino for five years. It was a little bit surprising to me that they went that way because, again, there were some names that might have had a little more juice, but Ben Johnson certainly knows the territory there, so that's one. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Minnesota finishes 14 and 15 overall last year, um, 6 and 14 in the Big Ten, which was good for 13th place. Uh, and Rod, they, they've lost just about everybody except for two people on their on their roster. Um, Here, here's what's interesting. You, can tra- you, you mentioned there were multiple jobs that opened in the Big Ten, right? So mm-hmm. the other two, I believe only the other two, were Penn State and Indiana. Yeah. Penn State kind of sat in the middle. They did lose a bunch of guys, but they also got some guys back. Harar came back. Um, you know, some of their other wings are back. It's not wholesale decimation. And then you look at Indiana, who hired Mike Woodson after they fired Archie Miller, and they kept, you know, pretty much everybody. They lost a couple of guys, but it's pretty, you know, pretty solid. And and the key guys they needed to get back, for the most part. Uh, there's maybe one exception in there, but but for the most part, they got the guys back that they needed to at the core, hmm. and it gives them a chance to be competitive in Mike Woodson's first year for sure. I mean, they've got. With the additions he's made, and we'll get into this when we preview them, but they could be an NCAA tournament team, I think, pretty easily. Um, Minnesota's at the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> ten, ten guys are gone. All of them could have returned and opted not to. Interestingly, only one of them followed Richard Petrangelo to Mexico. So these guys just really embraced free agency and. They went far and wide. They're very well distributed in terms of where these guys ended up. Um, but the bottom line is Ben Johnson is in a very tough spot in year one because he, he's just dealing with wholesale roster turnover, and he got the job so late that even with the portal available, there, there just was never going to be a way to really adequately address that. Mm. You know, So he's, he's behind the eight ball. Yeah, they lose Marcus Carr, who was their their top scorer, um, 19.4 points a game, 39 from the floor, 32 and 80. Um, he winds up going to, uh, well, he first he put his name in the draft, and then right. he took it out and decided to go to Texas. Yep. Yeah, interesting choice, because Texas, you know, they've got a new coach, Chris Beard, who obviously did great things at Texas Tech. Um Texas has some guards and it's, it's kind of a, I don't, I'm not under the impression it's a wide open situation, but look, Marcus Carr is really, really good. Marcus Carr could walk into any major program and, and play major minutes. You know, it's interesting that when he first announced that he was going to transfer, but then also put his name in the draft, there was talk that Michigan state was one of the places he was interested in, but that never got very far because MSU went right after Tyson Walker and, you know, grabbed him uh, very quickly in the transfer process. Uh, Carr dragged his deal out, I think, close to the deadline. He certainly went well into May, at the very least. Um, I don't recall exactly when, but I think he went pretty far into the process before making his decision. Um, Really talented kid. Kind of a down year, though. That 32% from three isn't a very pretty number. Mm. Um, what he does do really well is he gets to the rim 
He, he averaged more than six free throw attempts per game last year. He's just really difficult, and if he's really clicking from three, it makes him that much tougher to guard. He wasn't as good at playmaking as he had been the year before. Just overall, a little bit of a dip down, but clearly a guy with a lot of talent. It will not be surprising to see him playing for Chris Beard to excel and have a really big final year. Um, but, yeah, needless to say, it leaves a huge hole yeah. for Minnesota. Uh, and then Liam Robbins, uh, who actually turned out to be pretty good for them. Seven-footer from Drake, 11 points, six rebounds, almost three blocks a game. Uh, he winds up transferring to Vanderbilt. Yeah, another one, you know, there were some familial connections there. He's from Minnesota. He came home from Drake and then had a pretty good year, and then there was the coaching change, so he elects to transfer to Vandy, right? Um, and uh, that's another big loss. I mean, he, was, he wasn't he was Daniel Oturu good, but he did pretty much what we talked about leading into last season when you knew he wasn't going to be the kind of player that Oturu was. Oturu was just fantastic. Um, but the thought was, Hey, this guy comes in, he gives you, he gives you size. He gives you a defensive presence. He can rebound some, and he's a versatile enough player. He can give you some scoring inside and out. And he essentially did all those things. Mm-hmm. So that's another, you know, these are all significant losses. I mean, they lost, I believe they lost their top seven scores. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that tells you the level of decimation to this roster. And, uh, but Robbins was right at the top. And then another starter, three-year starter, Cal Shear, Gabe Cal Shear. Uh, yeah. He's out to Iowa State, um, but the never found his shot transfers. last year. Yeah, never found his shot last year. Only only uh, 25% from three. Yeah, he, you know, he was really good his freshman year, and then the last two seasons just could not dial it in. Really good defensive player, and he was their third-leading scorer, but, um, you know, that's a – that's a loss. I think that's a loss overall because obviously, again, defensively, he was really good. Mm-hmm. But could Minnesota replace those minutes with somebody who actually shoots the three better? Maybe. Mm. It's not a tall order, right? Not a big ask to exceed 25%. So yeah. um, we'll have to see how that shakes out. But a guy who's played a lot of minutes, that's for sure. Uh, and then Brandon Johnson, the 6'7 transfer from Western, um, he's off to DePaul. You know, he was better than I thought he was going to be. I, I wondered about that because that's a classic transfer-up scenario where his production numbers at Western were pretty good, but the efficiency wasn't quite there. And I thought, well, that's the kind of guy who normally gets bit by moving up. But uh, he had a nice year. Mm-hmm. If you, I mean, if you if you look if you look at the numbers, um, you know, he ended up shooting. I'm sorry, I got to. Nine points a game, six rebounds, 46, yeah. 26, and 71. Yeah, I mean, that's you, – you can't really you can't really argue with that in terms of um, – you know, the three-point shooting obviously wasn't very good, but he didn't take a ton of them. He tended to play within himself. And, you know, 8.9 and 6.3 led the team in rebounding. That, that, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the one guy who did follow Patino, Jamal Mashburn Jr., um, after his freshman season, um, 8.2 points a game, 35, 28, and 80. Um, yeah, he, he ended up playing a little more than I thought he might. Um, 
because they, they opted to use him in combination with Carr more than I thought they would. So, you know, the 28% from three you're not wild about, but he definitely showed potential. And I think when they recruited him, they thought he was going to be a guy in line to succeed Carr. Well, obviously that's not happening because they're both gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Booth Gotch, um, who transferred from Utah, is now transferring back to Utah, which is weird. <laughs> and that's there's a cu- the there's second a first. These, there's a couple of these stories, though, because we're going we're gonna to talk in a few minutes about a guy who was at Minnesota, left, and has now come back. It's it's just so strange to me, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he, he was 6.8 points a game, three and a half rebounds, uh, started 16 games. Um, 40, 28, and 81. So he, he was yeah, a big again, t- factor on that team. He was. I, I think they had hoped he would shoot the ball a little bit better. 20% from three is a little rough. But he definitely had 28%, sorry. He definitely had potential. But, um, yeah, again, you just, you're just you stacking these guys up. And while their numbers don't blow you out of the water, Minnesota was whatever they were, a 6-14 and 14 team in the league. Um these are still guys that were pretty productive that mm-hmm. you're losing. Uh, and then Trey Williams, he was the soft, 6'4 sophomore. He transfers out to Oregon State. Yeah. Um, you know, he actually had a better year. His freshman year, he played a lot because they liked his energy and his defense, but he really struggled shooting it. Last year, he was 40-33-31, which is starting to drift into okay territory. He averaged 5.8 points a game, managed to start 13 times. So clearly the previous staff liked him. But again, another another guy who opted to get out of town once his coach was gone. Mm. Uh, and then David Mutoff um, only played in three games, but he elects to go pro in Turkey. Yeah, he, he never really factored in last year. So not a not a major departure for them. They knew. They knew at midseason last year he was done, so that really wasn't a Patino firing-related move. Mm-hmm. And Jarvis Omersa um, only had like just under two points a game, just over two rebounds. He's transferring to a new D1 program, St. Thomas? Yeah, it's hmm. in Minnesota. They're going to be part of the Summit League. Um, they moved up from D2. Omersa, that's a guy who just never quite lived up to expectations he was in the same recruiting class as Oturu and Kalsher and they were all three of them were Minnesota kids and I think they thought he had a chance to be a pretty good 3-4 guy you know maybe play some on the wing maybe play some small ball four a lot of energy some physical toughness it just never came together for him so this is probably the right move mm-hmm. and then Sam Freeman the 6-10 big who uh he winds up transferring to Pacific um, not yeah. much production from him, only a point and a, a rebound and a half in 18 games. Yeah, you just don't know what you have with him. A young big man didn't get a chance to play very much last year. Um, who knows what he'll end up becoming. But, yeah, th- thus far, not not much of an indication that Minnesota's really missing a lot with his departure. Uh, so then we come to uh, the returners. Uh, two, two returning, <laughs> well, yeah. Sort of three, uh, but Eric you'll Curry... rarely ever see a number this low. By the way. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. I'm, well, this is almost like Nebraska. Um, yep, yep. Eric Curry, six six eight, super senior. Um, he averaged three point seven points a game, forty four from the floor, nineteen from three, and sixty two from the line. 
and just over three rebounds a game. Yeah, you know, I, I'm happy for him that he's playing and that he's coming into the season at least should obviously be the starter and, and get a lot of minutes. Because this is a guy who if people remember what he was like before he got hurt, and he had a mm-hmm. couple of very serious lower body injuries, Eric Curry as a freshman looked like a, a, a serious, serious player. He was in their rotation, um, was very effective. I want to, if I remember correctly, he was on that team with Reggie Lynch, where they were pretty good, where they beat MSU in the Big Ten tournament that year. Um, and, and Curry showed a lot of signs of being a guy who could play four or small ball five, had some ability to shoot, had some uh, energy to him, a good motor, had some athleticism. A lot of that's gone now. But uh, he's going to get a chance to be a linchpin on this team by default, right? Because he's one of two guys coming back. I think he's going to be the starter at the five. And I'm just glad for his sake he's been able to at least work himself back and play out his career on his own terms, more or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Isaiah Enan, 6'9", junior, um, showed a lot of potential, much like Curry as a freshman, um, but sort of regressed a little bit last year. Uh, averaged 2.8 points a game, 3.5 rebounds in 15 minutes, shooting 32, 22, and 79. Yeah, you know, again, they really liked him as a freshman. It was like, okay, this guy's 6'9", he's got some ball skills, he's got some burst to him athletically, and and then he just didn't play very well last year. But it's a new day, and you would expect he'll get every opportunity to earn minutes. Uh, I, I guess I'd expect him to be somewhere in their rotation. I just don't know whether that's as a starter or as a reserve. But he could play the three if he shoots a little better, or he could play the four. Uh, but there's still potential in him. And, and as uh, a guy who's got at least two and maybe three years, if he opts to use it uh, left, he's still got a chance to develop. I wouldn't write him off yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so newcomers, uh, you mentioned it before, Peyton Willis, who had played for the Gophers uh, before, yeah. then he transferred to Charleston last year. Um He's 6'2 guard, averaged 13.5 points at Charleston, 46 from the floor, 40 from three, and 77 from the line, uh, and averaged three uh, assists with a two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. Uh, And that was a guy who actually played quite a bit um, when he was at Minnesota. He did. It was, you know, this time last year we were talking about how it, it struck us as kind of a weird decision that he opted to leave because he was playing a lot. Mm-hmm. He started a bunch. He was pretty productive. Then he, you know, after he had transferred in from Bandy, and, and he had had to sit out a year before he became eligible. So he transferred, sat out a year, became eligible, had a pretty good year for Minnesota, played a lot, started a lot. And then he opted to leave to go to Charleston, where he had another nice season. But now he's come back, uh, a big addition for Minnesota, clearly, because this is a team who obviously is going to be screaming for guys to score and to shoot well, and he's capable of doing both of those things. The nice thing at Charleston is he actually, as you mentioned, he showed some playmaking. I don't expect that he'll be the starter, but I can I can definitely imagine him seeing some time on the ball. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then they get a transfer um, from William and Mary, Luke Lowe, um, likely the starter at, at the point guard. Because uh, yeah. he averaged 16.2 points a game, shot 44 from the floor, 30 from three, 86 from the line. Uh, but he did shoot 44% the year before that from the three. Yeah, and so that's your question, right? It's which is the real guy. And as we've talked about ad nauseum over the years, I'm, I'm always suspicious of the transfer up guys maintaining their, their three-point shooting. But we do see guys occasionally. Mike Smith, Michigan, last year was a prime example where he actually ticked way up. I still think that kind of move is going to be the exception rather than the rule. But Minnesota's going to hope he's more similar to the guy he was as a junior than last year mm. as a senior. Um, he also averaged 3.2 assists per game, had 2-to-1 assist to turnover ratio. And he's got nice size at 6-4 for the points, so he's got that going for him. But, um, yeah, he, he stands to pretty obviously be the, the likely starter at the point. They'll just hope his, his shooting is back and dialed in. Mm. Uh, and then EJ Stevens, uh, a 6'3 transfer from Lafayette. Um, he averaged 16.4 points a game last season, um, 46 from the floor, 33 from three, 90 from the line. Um, but he was a fairly disruptive defender uh, with about a steal and a half per game last year. Yeah, and he's also a decent secondary ball handler. I, I think he's got a great chance to start opposite Willis. Um, you know, that, that's going to make for a small backcourt. So 6'4 at the point, but then 6'2 and 6'3 on the wings. But um, I think there's a reasonable chance that's what it looks like. Again, with Stevens playing at a smaller level at Lafayette and Louisiana, um, you know, how much of that production is going to translate, you, you just don't know. But I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Jamison Battle, 6'7", 225, sophomore, um, native of Minnesota, but he transfers in from George Washington, um, where he's he seventeen point three points a game, five uh, and five point two rebounds, uh, forty eight from the floor, thirty five from three, seventy nine from a line. So they're really finding some scorers here in these mid majors. <laughs> they are, they are, but this one I trust a little more than the last two guys we talked about because you know George Washington, you're talking about the Atlantic Ten. Mm-hmm. That's a little higher level. I trust those, that production a little bit more. I think he's pretty clearly the favorite to start at the four. Um, he's demonstrated at GW that he can rebound some, he can stretch the floor some, uh, has a knack for scoring. Uh, I'd say other than Willis, he's probably the best transfer that Johnson landed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, again, I figure he's going to be the starter at the four. Uh, then Sean Sutherland, 6'5", transfer from New Hampshire. Um, and, but he sat out last year with an injury. Um, previously, though, 12.8 points a game, 43 from the floor, 26 from three, and 57 from the line. Yeah, you know, good size on the wing at 6'5", but one, he played at New Hampshire, so how does that translate? Didn't shoot particularly well while he was there. And then two, he sat out all last season with an injury. So I, they seem to expect him to be in their rotation somewhere, but I don't know what kind of production they're going to get. Uh, and then Abdullah Tham, uh, yep. junior transfer from Florida, 6'3", 15 points a game, 49% uh, from three. Yeah, and that, so the question there 
is if that shooting even remotely translates. I mean, let's say he's only 40% from three. He'll play a lot because they're going to desperately need shooting. I don't know how well it's going to translate. You know, we talk about guys transferring up. Well, the same thing applies for JUCO transfers. What, what does that number represent in terms of what he will produce like at the Big Ten level? Uh, it remains to be seen. Mm. Uh, and then Charlie Daniels. Uh, <laughs> not, not, not <laughs> Best fiddle player you've ever seen. Uh, a transfer from Stephen F. Austin. Um, Daniels, 6'9", 230, big man. Um, and he should probably back up Curry at the five. But uh, he averaged 4.6 points a game, 3.7 rebounds last year. Yeah, so that, I mean, Stephen F. Austin's been a good program in the recent past, but if he's only producing at that level there, I think it's probably asking a lot for him to be much more than a guy who just eats up some minutes and tries to be competitive. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my expectations are pretty muted. Uh, And then Trayton Thompson, 6'11", 200-pound freshman. Um, And he's got some potential. Yeah, right? for he's, sure. He's he's inside. I mean, he's he, that's pretty big. When they when they signed him, he was consensus a top one hundred guy, and then he by the end he drifted out of the top one hundred. But he, he's clearly got some talent. They think that he's got a lot of skills. They like the way he passes. They like the way he can shoot. They think he can be a post scorer. But the whole deal here is he's got to add weight and strength. 200 pounds on a 6'11 frame is not going to cut it in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine that guy physically dealing with Coburn and Dickinson and uh, the, the twin behemoths at Purdue. And, I mean, we go on and on and on. <laughs> oh, gosh. The idea of it is not pretty. So maybe he earns a role this year, but, uh, you know, it's not like they've got uh, a Kofi Coburn type in front of him, mm. but boy, that the size and strength seems to be big negatives for him playing a lot right away. Yeah. Uh, and then Parker Fox, uh, Fox six, eight transfer from Northern state, um, which is a D two. Correct. Um, 22.3 points a game, 9.9 rebounds. Um, and he shot 64% from the floor. Yeah. I think that the deal here is that, they had really high expectations that he was going to be a guy that could make that jump, make an immediate impact. You know, despite those rebounding numbers and his size, they think he can actually play some wing too. Uh, but he suffered a knee injury in April, about a week after he committed to Minnesota. And my understanding is it puts this whole season into a questionable category as to whether he plays. If he was straight physically, I think we'd be talking about him as a guy that they believe has the potential to start um, or at the very least be a significant part of their rotation. But it doesn't seem like that's as likely to happen this year, the way things have shaken out. But the good news for them is he will have two years of eligibility. Hmm. So he can come back and still have a couple more to play. Uh, and then they get uh, Danny Ogilase, a uh, six foot seven transfer from Mercyhurst. Um, he averaged 10.5 points, 4.8 rebounds um, at the D2 level, but started his career at Navy. Yeah, he's you know another guy who had an assessment, I think, will be in the front court mix. I don't know playing how much, um, but he's 6'7", about 220, so he's got some size. He has played at the D1 level previously. 
you know, with this roster, that might earn you a ticket to some minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's about it for the players. Um, I guess this is just going to be a, a, a wait and find out year uh, for Minnesota. That that's that's a lot of turnover there. Yeah, there's there's no question that this is a year you write off for Ben Johnson in terms of the one loss record. I I, I just don't see how this team competes very well. I would say it's going to take a miracle to avoid the basement. As I mentioned earlier, they lost the top seven scores. So how can you realistically imagine this team improving? I think Mm -hmm. what the reasonable goals are is that you just survive it and you establish, you know, a a style of play and a foundation, you know, you set standards. We go back to, you know, the last time somebody really took a job in this league that was like this. Would, would probably be Steve Peichel at Rutgers. I mean, to some extent, Fred Hoiberg at Nebraska, too. But um, let's use Peichel as the example. Peichel took it on the chin for a couple of years in terms of the one-loss thing. But he did establish a standard, a way that they would play. And that worked. And gradually, over time, he improved their talent level to the point that eventually, in year five, they became a tournament team. Um, I don't know that I believe that it could or should take five years for Ben Johnson. Minnesota has some advantages that Rutgers doesn't. The biggest thing to me is pretty simple in terms of whether he's going to succeed or not, and it's something we've talked about on occasion on this podcast. The state of Minnesota has become a really good talent-producing state. wasn't always that way. I mean, there were when I was a kid, you know, they would occasionally produce players, but the good Minnesota teams in the '70s and '80s and '90s would have a sprinkling of Minnesota kids, but there were a lot of out-of-state. You know, they they got some very good players from Michigan, for example, during that period. I can think of three of the best players of all time from Michigan: Trent Tucker, Bashan Leonard, Willie Burton. Were all Michigan kids, mm-hmm. and they used to do that. Um, but, but over the last 20 years, I would say, talent in the state of Minnesota has really improved. The problem is, whereas when it was less, Minnesota seemed to kind of have a, a fence around the state, and they got a few guys who could really play. They haven't had anything but that over the last 20 years. Great players from Minnesota rarely seem to go to Minnesota. Richard Patino just could not crack that nut. He had the one year where he got Oturu and Kalsher and O'Mara, as you mentioned, but that was it. Mm-hmm. You know, and then Amir, Amir Coffey was another good recruit he got from in-state, but I could, I'm could i not going to do it, but we'd go chapter and verse the number of great players from the state of Minnesota that he failed to keep home. If you're going to succeed in this job, I think that has to be your starting point. It has to be. And I'm not saying you get everybody. But you get your share, you know, and because they haven't even been doing that. So that, to me, is the biggest thing Ben Johnson's got to do over the next year or two, is prove that he can recruit those kinds of players. When he was an assistant at Minnesota, he was involved in the coffee recruitment. He was involved in the Oturu and Kalsher recruitments. He played at Minnesota. He coached at Minnesota. He clearly knows the territory. He's a familiar face in that state. That should help him. But... To me, that's the bottom line. 
is the on-court stuff this year doesn't matter very much other than just creating your culture and setting a foundation. Um, but he's got to get it done as a recruiter and improve the talent level. The good news is it's possible to do that at Minnesota. Mm. It's a job that I think it is possible to succeed in if you can get those in-state kids. If you can't, you're going to struggle the way the last few guys have, basically everybody since Clem Haskins. Okay, so that's uh, Minnesota gets the, the basement dweller team this year. Uh, anything else on uh, Minnesota? No, I think that's it. All right. That'll do it for now. The Final Four is not on the schedule. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.